0: probably never been sent to, and that's in Proverbs chapter 27. I want to start a new series this morning, or if it doesn't go as well as I think, we'll end it this morning. <laughs> we don't care. I'm, I'm calling this Thinking Biblical in Natural Places. It doesn't really roll off the tongue yet, so I probably will change that, but Thinking Biblically in Natural Places. This has to do with what we talk about all the time, how we think. Christians, we have the mind of Christ, so we're called to think big in small places. I'm thinking big in small places. Say it with me. I'm thinking big in small places. In other words, my surroundings, little people with little visions, big limitations, fearful, afraid, they don't affect my life. Because I'm thinking and believing big, even though I'm in their world, I'm in this world, I'm not of this world, I'm thinking big in small places. So I want to I wanna visit how good God is, how the good news is, the bad news is wrong, and how the possibility, the potential, the capacity, the achievability of your life is way more than what you've seen around you. In other words, we can't take our cues from the world. Because they are the world. But on the other hand, we can't take our cues from what they say about the church. The world absolutely condemns the church, says we're 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 a bunch of nut nutheads, nutheads that we, we believe in fantasy and magic and all that. But the Bible says the wisdom of God is in the church. Amen. And that we're to be demonstrators. We're to demonstrate how it is. And the world thinks they're real smart and they think the church is real dumb, but they would be wrong. But it's our job to demonstrate it and prove, if, if that's a place, that we got this stuff. So in Proverbs chapter 27, look at this strange verse. It's in verse seven. <laughs> the full soul loatheth A honeycomb. But to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. So he's talking about perspective there. You know, if you were in the desert, you'd been out there three days with no water. But you did have a brick of gold that you were dragging along with you. And some merchant came up and said, I've got a gallon of water here and I will sell it for a brick of gold. Well, if your perspective was 10 days ago when you were in town, you could buy anything. You wouldn't sell your brick for a gallon of water. But if you are about to keel over, you are about to die. And this man had the key to life. The perspective on gold changes. What was worth $100,000 is now worth a gallon of water. Because it'll save your life. It's perspective, isn't it? It's relative. It's, It's relative. And everything in our lives is relative. And here he says, the full soul, when he's full, he's not hungry. Everything's going his way. Everything's right. He loatheth a honeycomb. He doesn't need it. Doesn't want it. He's full. But he said to someone else, the hungry soul even bitter things, he's so hungry, he's so ready to have anything come into his life, what the full man would say was bitter, he's like, I'll take it. You see movies where people are in prison, jail cells, and in foreign countries and stuff, and they're upstanding citizens, they're, they're good people, but they got caught doing something in, a, in Bolivia or Colombia or wherever, and they're, they're, they're trying to catch a cockroach. They're trying to catch a mouse and eat it because they are not full. They are that man where the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. The uh, basic English version says the full man has no use for honey. But to the man in need of food, every bitter thing is sweet. So our perspective is relative to our surroundings. We think different. So many times people, Christians, all of us, when we get desperate for God, we're in a bad place. Things have gone south. They're just, we don't have any money or we're hungry or somebody's left us. It's tough. We get open. We say, God, if you'll do this for me, I'll I'll do anything. We know the prodigal son was that guy. He got his inheritance. He went and did riotous living, whatever that is. How could you, how riotous could it be? Well, it's always been that way. You can, you can find sin any time in any generation. But his perspective changed. He ran out of money. He was so hungry that he went into a pig pen, was feeding the hogs for what they were eating, and suddenly he was willing to do things he would have never been willing to do, and he was mad at his big brother and he was mad at his father and yet the Bible says in Luke 16 that he came to himself. He had a perspective change. How many of y'all all have, all of us have a testimony where our perspective changed? We, we were lost but now we're found. We were blind but now we see and it was because, not because God found us where we were but we let him find us when we got to a better place. The, the, the new, the N-E-B, Probably the New English Bible it says a, f- a man full fed refuses honey, but even bitter food takes sweet to a hungry man. So it's talking about appetite there. So we're just going to spend just a moment on appetite. Appetite. Is from God. If you didn't have an appetite, you wouldn't know when to eat. You wouldn't know when to sleep. Many of us would not ever sleep. We just we just go through. But we have to, we have an appetite, we get so drowsy, we fall asleep and whatever. So an appetite, there's an appetite for God and the prodigal son. He had no appetite for his father, but suddenly his perspective changed. The full man doesn't want honey. The hungry man will eat anything. So it controls our desires. And a spiritual man is in control of his appetite. We, we take the inner man, the man that's born again, the man that's alive unto God, and we subjugate or we rule over our appetites for food, for pleasure, for all the things that are in this world that are sweet. Turn with me to Matthew chapter five, if you would, please. Matthew chapter five. We'll just see how far we get this morning. I predict we'll get pretty far. Verse six of chapter five in Matthew, the Lord Jesus says this. He said about appetite. Chapter, let's see, chapter five, verse six. He said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. So there's an appetite for righteousness. And if you're in sin or if you're doing bad things or if you're away from God or you are mad at God or whatever people are, we've all been there in a version. We don't want God because we're not hungry for God. Have you ever been where you weren't hungry to read the Word? I have. It's like, okay, I'll read it, but you know, I'm really busy right now. And then the other times where you just, you just hold on tight, like i got to have it, i got to have a lot of it. He said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled, for I shall be filled. So whatever you're hungry for is what you're going to put in. And if you're backslid, you'll put in things that aren't good for you. We've all done that for sure. Amen. The, The Amplified says, for they shall be completely satisfied. So how does a man and a woman get satisfied? We have to get hungry for it. If you're nonchalant, if it's like I am full, honey does not interest me. And this guy over here, he says, I've been eating bugs. Let me have a little dab of that. That'll be just fine. The Bible in basic English says, for they will have their desire. So we have to control our appetite because our appetite, if you don't control your appetite, your appetite will control you. And that's when we backslide. That's when we... We're off the reservation, so to speak. We're off track. We, we, and we have to come back to God because our appetite for the, for the negative or the worldly things gets full and it brings destruction. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going somewhere, I promise. You know we do. We're going to say this so we can say that. We focus here at River Church a lot on who we are in the Lord Jesus. Because if you know who you are in him, then and only then can you know what you can do. You don't know what you, you don't know, can you you cast out a devil? I don't know. Can you speak to the mountain? I don't know. But if you know who you are in Christ Jesus, then you know that devils are afraid of me. That mountains are subject to me. You know that because you know who you are. If you know who you are in Christ Jesus, you can know what you can have. Well, I've kind of been bad. I don't think the Lord, I'm not going to ask him for that because, you know, I hadn't been really good lately. And I hadn't been talking to him, so I'm not going to ask for that. Well, if you know who you are, you have the petitions which you've asked of him. Even though, even though you were a worm yesterday, You can repent. You can confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all, all, all unrighteousness. So you'd go back, even though it's just been one day. Most people kind of wait till like they were when they were a kid. Until mama's settled down, till she's not mad as a, as a wet hen, as a, as a hornet. We wait until she's cooled off. Well, God's not that way. He's always cool. God's cool. Hallelujah. But it says here in verse 17, therefore, therefore, therefore. So he's been saying some things in verse 1 through 16. And then verse 17 says, therefore, if any man, if any man, if any person, anybody be in Christ, one version says, be in Christed. He, that man, is a new creature. The Greek says, creation. Old things are passed away. Passed away. Not pushed down, not ready to come back up and jump on you, not negotiated or neutralized. They're still there, but I've got them pushed down. It says they're passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So there's the new man. At the new birth came the new man. It was so easy to become the new man. You just... Romans 10 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. So to become the new man is easy. But yet it's the hardest thing you'll ever do. Because you got to put you on there. you got to put you in there. You don't just say, I'm going to give you a little dab. The new man has put everything in there. So, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. If only we knew that. The day you know that you're a new man, that old things are passed away, everything is on the table. It's always on the table, but you just don't see it. You're, You're that full man that doesn't want honey. But now we know I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So all of a sudden, no matter who and how you were, you are excellent. The spirit of excellence comes in at the new birth. Did you feel it? Not at all you got to read the word to find out it's in there. You become an ambassador. Well, we can't even spell ambassador, but all of a sudden we are one. You are the tool in the earth, not angels, not, uh, not apparitions. You are the ambassador into the earth. We are demonstrators. The Bible says give out samples of the, of the kingdom, of the gospel. Be demonstrators of the kingdom. That means we raise the dead. Say with me. I raise the dead. That's because it's in you. Well, I don't know about that. Well, that's what the Word says. Demons are afraid of me. We become a world changer. Well, how does that feel? It doesn't feel any different than before you got born again. We say this, that if you stand on a set of bathroom scales, which I did yesterday... I ate ice cream last night, so I didn't get it, I didn't get on him this morning. <laughs> I'm just going to confess it out. Maybe it'll help or whatever. But if you get on the bathroom scales and says, oh, my, I've got a temperature. I, what am I going to do? I must have an infection because the scales say this. Well, we know that's crazy. And the same by the same token, you don't put a thermometer in your mouth and say, "Whew, we got to watch that ice cream. It's the wrong instrument. And it's the same thing about our lives. We don't feel, we're not measured by how we feel by what's been put in us and what we have and what we can do. Matter of fact, we don't know anything about anything except what's in here. You can't feel it. Well, I don't feel too spiritual. It has nothing to do with anything. Are you all here? So, yay, this is the proof. This is the testimony of who I am as a new creation. Old things passed away and all things have become new. This tells me what became new. I talked to someone yesterday, and, uh, and she said, Oh, I've been reading Jeremiah. I'm, I'm covered up in the book of Jeremiah. Lamentations is where I'm at. Really? What does that do for you, Jackie? Oops. That's, what does that do for you, Linda or Sharon or whatever? And, and, and uh, just making them up as I go. And she says, well, it tells all about, you know, how Jesus was coming. Well, girl, why don't we go over there in the New Testament and find out all about how he came? Find out who I am, who I am, what I became at the new birth. When I became in Christ, when I became a son a spiritual son of God. I, I, I'm a child of God. Are you a child of God? Yes. Well, that makes you a son and a daughter of him. That makes you just like him because you, you would pass along all your attributes to your children. And you would give them everything that you had. And you would want them to be as successful as you are. And yet we think God's God and that's a whole different deal. But he's called father. And so father does to his children what fathers do to their children. And he's good to them. So we're motivated now by revelation. We're not motivated by what we can know, by education, by knowledge. So we're motivated by revelation. The Bible says that flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father and heaven. That's a higher way of living. When you don't have to read it in the news, you don't have to get a broadcast, you don't have to look it up on Google. You can know things in here that you don't know up here. That's a higher way of living. The Lord told us here at River Church this year that we would know what to do this year. It's worked. Hallelujah. So uh, our energy is not coming from the world's news because it's pretty depressing out there, actually. If you read and if you listen to it, but the good news is, the bad news is wrong. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back. And they're talking about, you know what they're talking about. They're talking about... uh, Our government and Russia and China and Taiwan and and just they're just filling the room up with all the possibilities. I'm telling you, read the book and you'll find out what's going to happen. It doesn't matter what could happen. It's all that matters is what is going to happen. And it's in the book. So he said, fear not. Fear not. So my natural desires, they try to control me. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Our appetites try. Try. They wake up every day and said, let's just do it all today. Let's eat everything. Let's look at everything. Let's whatever, whatever that is. And we say, no, we're going to do the word we're going to we're going to do. So I want to talk about what has passed, even though I talked about Jeremiah and Lamentations. The Old Testament gives us a demonstration of the benchmark of who we are. In other words, the Old Testament is a old covenant covenant based on old promises, ratified by the blood of bulls and goats. Are we in agreement? That's the old. So everything we have in the new covenant, which is ratified by better promises and by the blood of Jesus, everything that we see in the old is the benchmark or the basis or the least that we are designed to have, walk in, and experience. That makes sense, doesn't it? If you if you have a better covenant, it's going to you look at the old covenant and said, well, it's at least as good as that. And it might be better. And it is. So in Numbers chapter 11, you're going to have to run with me here a little bit. I've just got two hours to go and I've got to (laughs) hurry. Bless their hearts. They're sitting there thinking, wonder what this is. Amen. Verse 21. Look, 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 look what happened in the old covenant. Look what happened when men were not even born again. They were not new creatures in Christ. They were not in Christ. And God was helping them along. And if he helped them along in the old, he'll help you and me along now. Whatever he did is the base, benchmark for what he'll do. He said in Moses, verse 21, the people among whom I am are 600,000 footmen. Can you agree that's a bunch of boys? Yeah, and thou hast said, I will get... Moses is telling God, you have said, Lord, that I will give them flesh and that they may eat a whole month. 600,000 boys. I don't know if you've raised any boys, but uh, uh, hallelujah. They, you stock it up on Monday, the refrigerator's full, and on Wednesday, you're looking for just anything to get on the table for, because those boys have been in there. Uh, verse 21, verse 22, shall the flocks and the herds be slain for them? So he's got a plan to suffice them or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? So Moses is saying, how are we going to do this? And the Lord said unto Moses, <laughs> shut your mouth. Is the Lord's hand waxed short? Thou shalt see now whether my words shall come to pass unto thee or not. We ought to know that's the word of the Lord to you and me right now. Every promise in the New Testament, he is saying to us when we go, how can this be? He is saying, uh, uh, where was I? Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. That's how it works in the kingdom. Y'all say amen. Amen. That's how it works. He promises to deliver us, to get us out of the, the hole, out of the squeezy spot, out of the Tight places out of the, how's this ever going to work? Moses even said, well, are we going to have to slay all the cattle to make this happen for a month? Are, we, are you going to have to bring every fish out of the sea? God said, I got so many ways to do this. Turn with me to uh, uh, verse 30. We'll skip a little there. And Moses sat, gat, don't you like that word in verse 30? Moses gat. It's southern. And Moses got him into the camp and he and the elders of Israel. Verse 31. And there went forth a wind from the Lord, from the Lord, from the Lord, and brought quails from the sea. And let them fall by the camp as it were a day's journey on this side. And it were a day's journey on the other side round about the camp. Look, 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 look. And as it were, two cubits high upon the face of the earth. He said he brought quail in from the sea a day's journey. And he stacked them up two cubits. A cubit's 18, 16 to 18 inches. It's the distance between a man's elbow and the tip of his long finger. So about three feet, they were stacked up. So So I looked it up. Oh, verse 32, excuse me. And the people stood up all day and all that night and all the next day, and they gathered the quails. He that gathered least gathered ten homers, and they spread them all abroad for themselves and around about the camp. So I looked up what a homer was, or however you say that in the in the Hebrew. And a homer is uh, 22 liters, which is 38 gallons. One homer is 38 gallons of bird. And... Uh, let's see where I am here. Verse thirty-two, verse thirty, uh, verse thirty-three. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against them. He got upset with them because they were acting like this is a one-time event. The Lord did this, but He might not come back tomorrow. So they stacked up. Uh, Where is it that they stacked up 10 homers apiece? Well, the homer's 38 gallons. Uh, 228 million gallons is how it comps out if everybody just did that. Uh, They fell from the sky and were three feet deep around them. You can't even get your head around that. You've never heard of it. it. It makes you want to say, this can't be right. This must be a misprint. 500 and 540 million quail came in 30 days and dropped into their kettles and their skillets. So they had complained. They said, God, this ain't right. We're out here and there's no meat. We're tired of the, the manna, we're tired of the bread. And he didn't like it that they complained. Instead of just going to him straight up and saying, Lord, you know, it, the menu's kind of just got one line on it. We, we'd like a, the, the supper menu or the, the weekend menu or whatever. We, have you got anything else out there? And they were a little haughty about it. They said, Here's what they said was, we had it better in Egypt. Boy, that ticks the Lord off. He doesn't tick off in the New Testament, but in the Old. He's in, but instead of just smiting them, he said, watch this. And he brings them all this meat, more than they can eat. And that's all they have for 30 days is meat everywhere. 540 million. I, I didn't know there was that many quail in the whole earth. But he brought them in. Turn to Exodus chapter 16. Did you notice the Lord did come through with a miracle that no one could even believe? There was more there of what they asked for. Exodus chapter 16. We're talking about how good God is in the Old Testament and how we can expect that and more if we will get our perspective right. But if your mouth is full of honey, I mean, if you're full, full, full with life and we're here in America... We're here in America. There's nothing that you can't get a hold of. There's nothing. This nation, you can buy anything. You can go see anything. You can do anything. You may not can do it but once, but you can do anything that's out there. We're full. There's nothing withheld from us. Back in the, you know, back in the Dust Bowl days and back in the, and in other countries where they had to walk a mile to get water, there's no indoor plumbing, where, where there's no refrigeration. Times are tougher than now, but now everything's there. Like I said, I had ice cream last night. It was low-carb, and it tasted like low-carb. Mm-hmm. But it was just a dab, you know, Hallelujah. 16, 4, let's go, let's go. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather at a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. He said, I'll do it. They said, Lord, we're hungry. He said, I'll fix it. I want you to notice the people said we're hungry, and he said, I'll take care of it. In Matthew chapter 6, the Lord said, take no thought for what you'll eat, what you'll drink, or what you'll put on. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things that the Gentiles are after, everything you have naturally need of, I'll take care of it. Not just spiritual things. He said, I'll take care of your quail, your bread, and all that stuff. I'll do it. He does it. Say with me. He He does it. He does it. And so he did it there. So six days a week, they had manna fall from heaven. On the Sabbath, they had it twice as many. So seven days a week, they had provision for that. And I looked it up. Some of this stuff's hard to look up. But for for 40 years, they had 4,500 tons of manna fall from heaven every day. There's a lot of folks out there. And you know how kids are. They want double. They want seconds. They want more than that. So they had 65,700,000 tons in 40 years of manna came from the sky. When's the last time you went shopping in your backyard instead of going to Publix? Turn to chapter 17. Look in verse 6. I'm setting you up here. That God's good. Act right because God's good. Verse six says, "Behold." Well, let's go to verse. Uh, let's go to verse four. Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, "What shall I do with this people? They are ready to stone me. They were thirsty." Is the context. And the Lord said unto Moses, "Go on before the people. Take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod, thy rod, wherewith thou shalt smotest the river. Take in thine hand and go." Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock. So he stood upon a rock in Oreb, and thou shalt smite the rock. A rock. It's a rock. It wasn't a special rock. It wasn't a magic rock. It was the rock. But God was making provision. And there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And as you read on, you see... There was a river that flowed out, and they had water. How much water? There was no rivers there. There's no lakes or streams or springs. And they required, I looked it up, 11 million gallons a day. They had 600,000 footmen, and they had a lot more folks than that. So they had, uh, in, in, in Tuscaloosa, we go through 9 million, in 1995, I couldn't find a later one, 1995, we went through 9,680,000 gallons a day. That's a lot of flushing. That's a lot of grass uh, watering. That's a lot of whatever. 77 million gallons. And the Lord kept them up for 40 years. He's good. He didn't put a a Mount Sinai waterworks in. He just had Moses strike the rock. They all knew it was him. I said they all knew it was him. It was undeniable. And the Lord likes that. The li- The Lord likes it when, when you say, Lord, I need, and he does, and you say, thank you, Lord. Even though it may have come through natural means, like the quail came in. Well, that's a lot of quail just to come over here accidentally and coincidentally and, and unnaturally. No, they were sent weren't they? And there was so much sent there that it was exceeding abundantly more than they could ask or imagine. Notice how the Lord does that pattern in everything he does. More manna, more quail, more water than they needed. This supply has never been duplicated in any realm since then. Here we are in 2023, and these things cannot be duplicated. This is, this is God's uh, 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 terrain, his, uh, domain. And so these people, were they were bad people. They griped, they grumbled, they carried on. I'm submitting to y'all family this morning that we should not gripe and grumble. Of, we ought to be thankful for what he's given us. Because we're just we're 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 not even asking for too much we're just asking for the main supply and he's going way over the top hebrews chapter 3 i'm not near through with you don't be looking at your watch just yet i'm i'm impressed by what god does and how he does it over the top he didn't just meet their need my god shall supply all your need well he did way way more than supply all your need He was over the top in verse verse 8 of chapter 3. It says, Harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. So he supplied them even though they weren't acting just right. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. So here you see the Lord's taking credit for all of that. The cotton patch version. Hang on for the cotton patch version. They were given 40 years in which to see plenty of my proof. So I got thoroughly fed up with that bunch. And I said, they are eternally making a mess of things simply because they pay no attention to my instructions. Aha. Pay attention to his instructions. There's always a way where there seems to be no way. There's always a way to win. The Lord's already figured it out. He's just waiting for us to say, Lord, we'd like another line on the menu. Lord, we're thirsty. Have you got a supply? Matter of fact, I did. You know, he created the road under the Red Sea that they used to get across He created it at creation then covered it up with water. And then one day just pulled off the water and said, see what I got for you? I planned ahead. If he planned ahead for those folks, he's planned ahead for you and me. Uh, He's done real good too. If he can put the road down and satellite has verified there's a road under the Red Sea. If he did that, he's done some stuff for you and me. But because we don't see it, we might get a little grump grump. Y'all know anybody that ever got grump grump? Did you ever get grump grump? Yes. I looked up George Washington Carver because he had a conversation with God. He was born in 1864. He died in, ni- in 1943. And he said, God, why did you create the universe? And his story was that, that uh, God said back, Your little mind asked too much. Ask something more your size. Well, God, what did you make man for? And the Lord said, you're still asking too much, little man. Ask once more. So he said, God, you know the story. Why did you make the peanut? And God said, now you're asking things more your size. Together we will find the answers. And George Washington Carver at Tuskegee in Alabama discovered 300 different innovative uses for the peanut, including glue, soap, milk, dyes, shaving cream, malaria medicine, infantile paralysis medicine. He changed the world. And it wasn't because he was wildly educated or whatever. He just asked God. And we're here to say this morning, since you and I are born again, we can ask God anything. And he's already got the answer, and he's just waiting to be asked, how do you want me to handle this situation? It looks life-changing. It looks life-threatening. It looks, Or there's more than one way to go. We could, be, we could win this way and that way. Which one do you like, Lord? And that's when he talks. He's got a lot to say. I looked up Solomon's wealth. Solomon's the richest man that's ever existed. It's all over the wall, all over the road, excuse me. But a lot of them say he accumulated 1.1 to 2.1 trillion dollars in wealth in today's money. Well, you know, the richest man in the world, whoever that is today isn't it 200 billion? I mean, it's in and out of 200 billion, which is just a fifth of a trillion. And Solomon was the richest man, and he was a God-man. God came to him one time, and he said, uh, Ask me what you want, Solomon. You're my man. I, I, I want to give you whatever you want. And Solomon said, Well, I want wisdom to rule your people. And God said, well, because you didn't ask for wealth, I'm going to give it to you. Because you didn't ask for long life, I'm going to give it to you. Because you didn't ask for wisdom for yourself, except just for yourself, but to rule my people, I'm going to give that to you. What a hot dog deal. I mean, God's got this thing figured out. He's so good. I say in this day, 2023, it's time to ask God about me and about you I think he knows more than we've let him say I think we ought to stop our brilliant life in this enlightened age and say God I'm dumb as a rock I need to know what you know I think he'll tell us I think revelation would flow I think we would see things and know things that we've never thought Ephesians 3 20 says exceeding abundantly above how much all that you can ask or think. Oh my, I need to upgrade my thinking. I need to upgrade my understanding so that he can go past, just a little past, dummo. Y'all know dummo. It's a benchmark there. Your dummo is before you get smarto. I have to tell y'all everything. Hallelujah. (laughs) Malachi 3.10 says this. You know it, but I'll just read it to you. This is Old Testament. This is Old Testament. This is the least. This is, we're so far past what's the Old Testament, but we can say there, here's the benchmark. He says, to bring all the tithes in the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not, what? Open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Or... Until it overflows. I will pour you out a blessing. Well, the word blessing there is the word benediction. Benediction is a special word, especially in the Old Testament, but it means a spoken word of blessing and increase. I will open to you the windows of increase, a word of increase. It's called the New Testament. There's a benediction, there's a word of increase. It's called the New Testament. It's who we are. It's who he made us. It's who he gave us life for. And that's who we are. Ecclesiastes, look, 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 look let, me just, let me just read this one to you. Ecclesiastes 2.26. Y'all know that's Old Testament. For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight, what does he give him? Wisdom and knowledge and joy. Ah, but to the sinner he giveth travail. To gather, why, why does the sinner have travail? To gather and to heap up, why? That he may give to him that is good before God. Oh, so the wealth of the wicked that's stored up for the righteous is in the hands of the wicked. Where is all this money that the Lord said, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you'll not be easily able to receive it till it overflows? He said, I've got it in the hands of of the wicked. They do not regard me. They do not regard me as the source of all that they have. They're not new creations in Christ. So they think my wealth, they think it's theirs. Let me just read you this. You'll like this. Say not... Say not in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swear unto thy fathers this day. He's hidden the wealth from the sinner, but it's also hidden for us, it's a mystery. How, 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 did, how, did, how would anybody guess? I think that rocks will probably give us the water that we need to get through the wilderness. I think that uh, bread falling out of heaven is probably the proper way that God's going to do this. Nobody thought of that business. That's God's business. He's got what he did then in spades for what he wants to do now. Isaiah 61 5 says, And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks and the sons of the aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. Okay. If any man be in Christ. But ye shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. God's got it. Well, is it in heaven? No, there's no counterfeit money in heaven. He's hidden it in the Hands in the storehouses of evil men. If you don't know that, you won't think there's any way to get that. You'll say, well, whatever God wants to do. Well, he's got a plan. It says in Genesis 3, 31, 7. Oh, remember this. This is cool about uh, Jacob. Uh, Jacob wanted a wife and he says, I want that pretty good, that pretty girl over here. And her daddy fooled him, and gave Leah to him, the older sister. And Jacob said, "Your father hath deceived me. Remember when he changed the sheep? He, he the deal with the sheep. I'll give you these. I'll give you the ring, ring straight, the ring-straked sheep. There's never hardly any of them. But your whole wages for the whole year will be those sheep. You can have them." Well, doggone, if not every sheep in there started being ring He said, well, I'll give you the, sh- the short-legged sheep or the long-eared sheep or whatever, whatever Jacob changed it to. That's what came up. And then he said, your father hath deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God suffered it not to hurt me. Now I'm telling you, there's deals out there. It looks like people are going to take advantage of you. It looks like if you're honest, you're going to be left behind. It looks like if you do things according to the law that you take off Sunday or you bring your tithe into the storehouse or you're nice to people that can't pay you back, it looks like you're at the end of the line. But he said here, what did he say? Suffered him not to hurt me. You're going to come out looking good. Do it God's way. One more. Oh, I got I got more time. We, we we can do we can play cards here in a minute. Exodus 12 verse 35 says, and the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. Look, they're coming out of Egypt and they borrowed. The word is demanded of the Egyptians, jewels of silver. Okay, these, these were their bosses and jewels of gold and raiment. That's designer stuff. Do you all know? And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. Now that's the least. That's the minimum. That's the what the Lord says. I do this for every people, but I made y'all a better deal. Let me show you what the better deal is, and believe me for it. And what you have as an example in the Old Testament, I'll beat it. It's never been beaten. But he said, I'll I'll up it. I'll do better for you. So if Elon Musk can have some stuff and all those cats can have some stuff, it's time for the kingdom to be financed by the kingdom. We're not I'm not passing judgment on anybody, their money or anything, their their lives. I'm just saying if they got it, they need to use it for God because the Lord wants it to be used for him. These end days that we're in, which seem normal, because we are the frog in the kettle. You all know the frog in the kettle? You throw a frog in a hot boiling water, he jumps out. You put a frog in a kettle of lukewarm water and turn the temperature up, he'll sit there and fry because he never notices the change. We are in a society right now that is the frog in the kettle. It's just we're being acclimated to more and more evil. Do you know what your grandparents would have done? with what they're doing out there right now, what they're proclaiming and saying and, and teaching their kids and stuff, it's crazy. It's just wild eye. Well, why are we not losing our hair? It's because we've been the frog in the kettle. We just keep moving along. Sodom and Gomorrah was, was kindergarten on steroids compared to what's going on right this minute. It is intolerable. It is unconsciousable. And yet we're just going, this is life. This is just all I've ever known. But your parents, your grandparents, would have lost their minds over this. And yet, here we are, having to put up with it. So the Lord has a secret plan. It's been his plan all along. It's called a mystery. Mysteries have to be, the mysteries are what people don't understand that the kingdom knows. So the world cannot access these mysteries but you and I can. We're asking for wisdom. I have the mind of Christ. Y'all know y'all have the mind of Christ? So we we can access this. So we're going to pray this morning that you and I will access the mysteries because that's what they're for. They're not for the angels. They're not for a people that are coming after us. They're for us right now. What are they? I don't know. They're mysteries, but they're things that have been hidden for you to succeed and to have the best life now so if you're living a life just like the world you're way back you're way back we are are in the world we are not of this world so we we look like them we eat like them we drive like them we pay our mortgage just like them or whatever but we're not them We are people that have been in Christed. We are new creatures in him. Old things have passed away. Let's get on with the new. So, Father, we thank you right now. We know what you've got, and we know what you got it for. You got it for us. You've hidden things for us. And if we'll just ask you, if we'll just believe we receive, if we just come to ourselves in the pig pen... And say, this isn't who I am, and this is not what I have, and this is not what I do. You will show us what to do. And so we ask you now. We're asking you now. Lord, we're ready. We, we've been Maybe we've been on the honeycomb, and we don't want anything else. But now we're seeing we don't have anything without you. So we ask you for the honeycomb. We ask you to supply us. We ask you for wisdom all over the house. Y'all are agreeing with me? We're we're asking you for wisdom, Lord. We're asking you for revelation. Things that don't come up out of our head, don't come out of our experience, don't come out of something we read or heard about. They're just from heaven, and they drop down in us, and we know what to do. We know, Lord, I thank you that we can know what to do in this wild and crazy world. We can know what to do. And so we ask you. Help us know what to do from this moment forward. This 20, this, this 2023, this June 11th, we from this hour forth, we know what to do. I thank you for witty ideas, yes. for inventions, yes. for, for, for revelation, yes. for insight, yes. for discernment, yes. for discretion to watch over us. For We know what to do. We know the decisions that are coming up the decisions that are coming up, you will know the answer before you understand the challenge, saith the Lord. You will know what to do before you know what to do is attached to. And when the problem, the challenge, the situation reveals itself, you're already there and it's already taken care of. In Jesus' name. So, Lord, we thank you. Now, we act different now. We're not haughty. We're not puffed up. We're children of God. We're sons and daughters of Almighty. And we want to better this world for the kingdom's sake. And so we do it with you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 That's a good word, y'all. I don't mind saying it. I got it from him, so I'm not taking credit. It's a good word. We receive it. Thank you, Garland. We receive it. Amen. Well, let's sing a song. Let's go out of here happy.